0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello, welcome to Garibaldi Red as we review the transfer window for Forest and look back a little bit on a very disappointing defeat to Cardiff City and then briefly ahead to the FA Cup title weekend against Leicester City. And to do so, I'm joined first of all by Reds legend Gary Birtles. Hello Gary, you well? Yeah, good afternoon. Yeah, good, Matt. Thanks, you? Good, 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 good. I'm well. And uh, our second guest today is Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, hello, are you okay?
1: Morning, Matt. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. uh, Very grateful to both of you, as ever. Right, I'll do a bit of admin to start with to catch up on the transfer window for everyone that missed it, and then we'll break it all down. So, Forrest made uh, five signings, Keenan Davis, Steve Cook, and Richie Larea early in the window. And then yesterday, they added Sam Surridge, from Stoke City for, we think, 2.2 million. And uh, Jonathan Panzo, a central defender who was with Chelsea uh, and more recently playing in France for a reported 1.5 million. I saw Sky reported that. So Forest put their money uh, in hands in their pockets. They also bid for Josh Bowler, the Blackpool winger, but couldn't get that over the line. I was told they would have gone to 3 million. But then I also saw Bournemouth rejected a 3 million, uh, Blackpool rejected the 3 million pound offer from Bournemouth. So they tried hard, but couldn't get that one done. And in terms of outgoings, Rodrigo Eli or Ely uh, might well go down as a Forrest quiz question answer because he left by mutual consent without kicking a ball for the club. So chalk that one up as a bad signing, but good luck to him. And uh, Tobias Figueredo, I think almost went, uh, but couldn't, that one didn't quite happen. And he'll be with Forrest for the rest of the season, I think, although the Portuguese transfer window closes uh, tomorrow. So maybe something could happen there. I'm not quite sure. Uh, next, Lewis Graven was injured against Cardiff. Uh, it looked bad, but I saw Danny Taylor tweeted today he's out for six weeks, which is certainly a lot better than it could have been. And uh, in terms of departures, uh, over the course of the window, Jordi 2 Tutu went back to Arsenal. Uh, Jaden Richardson went to Notts County on loan. Tarius Fauna went out on loan. Carl Jenkinson went out on loan. Young keeper Jordan Wright went to Luton. Lyle Taylor's gone on loan. Jack Carvalho's gone. And we mentioned Eli and Harry Arthur came back from Charlton, which I'm sure everyone has forgotten about because it feels like a million years ago. Right, a lot to take in. Uh, temps, how do you sum that all up over the course of a month? Happy, sad,
1: what, what are you feeling? Well, when we spoke three weeks ago, we said success would be who, who didn't leave rather than who came in. So coming out of this window with Brennan Johnson uh, in particular uh, and, and Jed Spence, obviously still part of our squad. Um, were the, the, the two single biggest objectives for me. I think we all feel a bit um, blindsided by the injury to, to Lewis Grubman, which we'll, we'll talk about slightly later on. I think all things considered, uh, retaining those two players um, and uh, recruiting to some semblance of, of, of structure um, and players that, f- for me, have clearly been lined up by by Steve Cooper, one or two he's worked with before, um, uh suggest this has been a really good window for, for Forrest. I think, um, yeah, all things considered, um, we've uh, navigated ourselves into a, a really decent position. Look, it's an 8 out of 10 because we were excited about um, Wallace and um, uh, Bowler. Uh, couldn't get those deals done for whatever reason. But, you know, maybe, maybe not a terrible thing. We know that Lolly and Myton are to come back. Um, in the in the kind of appearances they've made this year they've they've, they've lurched between um, seemingly having fallen away from their very best but also producing moments where they can um, break a game so um, a, a, a lot depends on how, how well Lolly and Mighton come back into the fold as to how much we miss um, the, the, the lack of, of, of Wallace and Bowler uh, coming through the door. So you're asking me for a mark out of 10. I'm, I'm going to give it an eight. I'm going to credit Steve Cooper, probably, you know, Dane and Taymor, one of others behind the scenes who've worked to get these deals done. And what stopped them from getting a ten is that, yeah, the, the, the lack of that one more kind of exciting, game-breaking um, winger who would have just given us the depth. Should Brandon find himself out for a couple of games, or, or should we need a, an option after seventy minutes? I think getting the, some of the boys out the door, um, which has been a problem for us in the past. You know, we've had Hefele and one or two others sat around the car park for a year, eighteen months longer than they needed to. So credit for credit for that as well, getting a few off a, a few off the wage bill. So it's an eight out of ten from me. It's just a shame that just before it closed, we get the injuries. And, and fortunately enough, the two
2: players have come in are oh, the same positions as the two players we've we've got injured. Uh, I think Lewis Grabban's going to be uh, a big miss. Um, done about Cook yet? He, he will be a miss. But overall, I think um, it's been positive. You know, Dave is coming in, he scored now, and uh, his confidence will be sky high. And um, you know. The, the uh, lad from Stoke, here, you know, Steve knows all about him. He knows all about the two players. So that always helps when new players come in. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's positive for me. Uh, I, I don't always look at the ones that go out because your interest ends there because they're no longer at the club. It's sad that they go, but that's the way of football. You lose players, you bring players in and you have to concentrate on the ones you bring in and uh, the team going forward. So that's what I always look at. And, uh, you know, there is positive... Uh, thoughts there, and yeah, we actually know about some of these players before in the past under previous managers. We've looked at players coming in and thought, who, where's he from? Never heard of him. You know, at least we we know about these players, and um, it, it's it, the strength in depth will be improved. And I think, like Temp said, you know, the ones that haven't gone are as important as the ones who've come in. Because if you lose key players, if you lose Brennan Johnson and Jed Spence and, you know, even Joe Worrell, although he's out at the moment, uh, you know, that's what you don't want to see because then it equalises itself out. The ones that you bought in, then you're losing key players as well. So we've not lost no key players, but we have added strength to the squad and that's got to be good going forward.
0: Do you want to give us a mark out of 10 as well? Temps at eight. What would you say?
2: Yeah, I'll agree with that. You know, I'd agree with that because I said, like I said, in previous um, windows, it's, It has been like, who is he? You know, I've not heard of him. And this time, you know, we know about players who are coming in. um, And this time we've got strikers in. You know, we've we've had a couple of strikers come in before. We've always been saying we need a striker and it's never materialised. This time we've got two strikers. So uh, that's what gets you promoted. Goals get you promoted. And uh, that can only be uh, a bonus.
0: I mean, I'd say 8 or 8.5 as well. I mean, they moved quickly to get sorry yesterday. I don't think there was a striker on the agenda, and they've gone out and got someone who the manager knows. And, like you say, there was a plan. I mean, was that the big thing for you, Temps, that it feels like there's a, a plan and a thought process behind these signs? They might not come off because there's no guarantees, but at least you can see what they're doing.
1: It's the faith in the people, isn't it? Because we had this uh, transfer acquisition panel back in Billy Davis' day, but there wasn't a lot of um, uh, faith. Uh, in the in in the method and the process, whereas we've got a chief exec who um, had a fantastic period of uh, trading players at, at Barnsley, and look at the the position they find themselves in now without his um, intelligence and, and knowledge of the of the market. Uh, we've got a, a manager that gets young people, has contacts with guys that he's won. Um, age group World Cups with, and um, has called upon those those contacts in this in this window. So so yeah, the, there is a plan, um, but every football club would you know purport to have a plan. We've got the people that can stick to their convictions and and follow it through to the um, to the end. Now look, as you said, they woke up yesterday trying to sign uh, Bowler and Wallace, and ended up getting getting Surridge. But that's that's the nature of it. Bowler's turned down, moves to Forest and Bournemouth to stay at Blackpool. I and mean, that tells me there's something wrong with his uh ambition or his confidence or you know whatever it whatever it might be. But you know what what what's he thinking there? He could have progressed his career yesterday and he's chosen to stay at Blackpool. So once once that bit of intel comes to light, forget about him on to the next one. And as you say, Sam Surridge comes up and hopefully he'll be a be a hit. So yeah, faith in the plan. But yeah, I think it's a, it's a day to credit the people that delivered it.
0: Let's get your take on Sturridge. Uh, Surridge, I should say, Gary. He's a striker. A lot of Forest fans are saying, well, he's got no goal record and all that kind of stuff. But he's, i put, put the opposite case. He's 23, he's played for the England 21s, and Steve Cooper knows him. What do you think about a signing like that where there is a, there's a question mark against him, but do you see some positives in the move?
2: I always see positives when teams bring strikers in. And it's a striker's life is dependent on service, and maybe I don't—I've not seen a lot of him at his previous clubs. Maybe the service and the way they play didn't suit the way he played or wanted to play. Whereas at the City Ground, he is going to get service. You know, we know that from both flanks. Uh, you know, we're creative in midfield, and yeah, uh, I, I would think he'll be salivating at uh, coming to Forest and getting an opportunity to. You know, playing a team that has got the creative ability we have at the moment, although we only had one shot on target against Cardiff, but that doesn't mean you're not creating. I, I, the final third's always the most important pitch, uh, part of the pitch for a striker, and uh, like I say, he's be, he's beholden on decent service crosswise, and um, it's all about his movement as well. Obviously, it's not just about waiting for things to happen, but when you're in a team that's as confident as this at the moment, uh, it's 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 a great place to. Come to and uh, go into. If you play, if you transfer to a team that's struggling, you're expected to do big things. And you know, if it doesn't happen, you know you can get sticks because strikers are the ones who are always picked out. Because if they don't score, then people want to know why. Um, so him coming in with the way we play and the way Steve plays, and he knows Steve and what's expected of him. Um, I'm just looking forward to seeing you know how he um, accepts the challenge, and I'm sure he'll accept it with relish.
0: Yeah, he scored eight goals for Swansea playing under Steve Cooper. I don't think he started every game. Um, let's link into the and injury then, uh, Gary. Are there enough goals in this team to make the playoffs, Gary, you think or not?
2: Well, you'd like to think so. I mean, you can't just be beholden to on-strikers all the time. I mean, I'll go back to when you know when we were playing and you always had a centre-half who scored double figures. You know, that doesn't seem to happen anymore. And you need midfield players going into double figures as well. And You don't always get that. And, uh, you know, that puts even more pressure on on strikers to uh, come up with the goods, which is a little bit unfair. Um, But, again, Cardiff, it's it's not a surprise we lost to them because it's another team that we've never done particularly well against. They always seem to beat us, you know, find a way to beat us. And, um, you know, Barnsley used to have that hold on us and teams like that. So... it was a surprise that we didn't get anything out of it because their home record was shocking, but no, no surprise because of the the hold they've had over us, and and that sometimes you know rests within players' minds, and it, it can cause you know a problem or two. But it, it's the two goals that we conceded; they weren't particularly good goals to concede. Uh, I'm sure Steve would have been absolutely furious with the the way they were conceded, but I think again it was really refreshing to hear him come out and not defend the performance. You know, it was a performance that probably couldn't have been defended. Uh, one shot on target uh, is not good enough. We know that. Um, you know, we scored in the 95th minute, uh, which is, you know, obviously too late. Um, and the two goals were stoppable for me. And uh, if you stop those, you're still involved in the game and you've got a chance of getting something out of it. But if you give goals away like that, then you're always liable to be under pressure.
0: Absolutely. We'll come to the goals in a bit in a bit more detail just sticking on the, the transfer front, um, does the Panzo deal feel quite necessary to you, Thames? Obviously with the war injury, but also. Cooper needs a ball-playing centre-half the way he wants to play. And I haven't seen much of Panzo, but from what you read about him, that, that's what he's all about as a
1: defender. Definitely. I'm a big Scott McKenna fan, but he's he's a defender. And Leicester won the Premier League with Robert Huth and Wes Morgan, who are both defenders, not ball players, win the headers, win the tackles. And McKenna does that better than anybody else in the Forest squad and better than most of the Championship, frankly. However, there are times when he's shown not to be a ball player. Okay, we like we, we evaluate the the goal from from the weekend. Tries to play a ball into midfield, gets intercepted. Hugo runs half length of the pitch and 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 sticks it away. So clearly, the way Steve Cooper wants to play with um, Samba distributing to the two centre halves, sometimes three centre halves, to find the ball into midfield requires centre halves that can that can play. I think a nice mix is Warrell alongside McKenna, because he can be the focal point for distribution. There's been times when Warrell's not been around that Yates has had to, to step in there, but you lose something in midfield when that happens. So the logic of Panzo is a far more ready replacement and an immediate replacement for that distribution uh, that we're missing without Worrell in the side. Now look, McKenna keeps his place, obviously, because I've I've, I've never seen a a forest centre half quite so quite so dominant in the air. I'm sure Gary will, will correct me on that in a sec. Um, but he's not a ball playing centre half, um, and that was a, yeah a key a key recruitment need and one that we've managed to to satisfy.
0: Who's the best header of the ball? He played with Gary, not me. Scott. Obviously, Temp says Scott McKenna was the best header me. of the ball.
1: Yeah,
2: no, I mean I, I was six foot, but uh, I had the ability. To hang in the air particularly well, and uh, there's one picture of when Paul Hart was there, and I was uh, defending a corner, and I was about a foot above everybody else, and the gaffer saw it. He said, "Son, I said I can't believe the elevation you get there. That that is incredible." Uh, so th- that was one of my strengths uh, heading the ball. I, you know, I wasn't a, you know, sort of a Larry Lloyd header of a ball or anything like that. um, But I, I could head it for, you know, head it for fun, and I I, I did time it particularly well. Uh, the best I ever saw, I think, maybe Gordon McQueen was a, an absolute cracker of a header of a ball. Um, you looked at the Liverpool side; Hansen was the great ball player. Uh, he was okay in the air, but um, yeah, you look. You look at people like Larry and uh, Burns. He was good in the air. Um, I'm trying to think who else at, at that particular point. There were, I mean, Mickey Droy. If you remember a bloke called Mickey Droy, who played for Chelsea and Crystal Palace. He was an absolute giant of a bloke and very difficult to play against. Um, yeah, but uh, that was, you know, I was a flicker of a ball as a striker, but I had to edit it properly as a centre-half. But, uh, but I now, enjoyed can both.
1: We, can I just make a quick comment on the, on the on the Surridge chat from earlier? I think if, uh, a few too many Forest fans have been too quick to judge based on his goals per game ratio. Even people replying to your tweet announcing the signing was a, a queue of Forest fans trying, trying to write him off. And you made a really fair point about the attitude of some people when Antonio signed without a great goal scoring record. And there's notable other examples of, of that being the, being the case. Let's get behind this lad. You know, We didn't set out to, to, to buy a franchise striker. We thought Graben was going to be that man and um, be an automatic starter um, up top. We allowed Lyle Taylor to go out on loan, given the success of Keenan Davis. And all of a sudden, the plan has to change because he's taken a whack in a game. So for me... As you said, getting a, a player um, that he's familiar with that wants to play for the for the gaffer is a is a massive positive. And if he scores five important goals between now and end of the season, then that that transfer is is completely vindicated. But we can't be in this kind of you know black and white. He's terrible or he's amazing viewpoint before a player <laughs> kicked him ball for of the football club. I just think it's yeah, it's kind of symptomatic uh, of, of football fandom now, isn't it? but it was a reaction to Lewis Grabman's injury. We had to get someone through the door and I, I think of, of all the options that are available, it, it seems like a, a really logical and, and positive one.
0: I mean, they bid for the strike at Bristol City, whose name escapes me, but they wanted 20 million quid and that was never going to happen. So, I mean, Soage kind of fits the bill. And like uh, From what you hear, what I've heard about him from the Stoke end, he's a quiet lad and um, perhaps he's one that needs an arm around him and I think Cooper's the kind of the master of that and he obviously knows him well. So I think... Uh, would probably work in his favour um let me go back to Forrest Michael Jordan over here Gary um I wanted to talk about Lyle Taylor's departure just briefly from again from your perspective as a striker is it a good move for him he's played very well against Derby at the weekend he looks a different player frankly do do you think he'll benefit from this
2: I think he can only benefit because he wasn't given a regular run in the side at uh, Forrest it was always uh you know Lewis in front of him, he knew that, and you know as, as a striker, you need fitness levels to be you know the highest possible level and before under previous managers uh, he I think he played a game that was alien to him that you know that lone striker role is the most difficult thing to play you know I've played it a few times and it's so difficult unless you you're backed up and the way we played before we were so defensive minded it was difficult for any striker to come in and and you know prove a point. You know the best striker in the world. You know could have come to Forest at you know some point and would have struggled uh, with the way we played. But um, yeah, I think it'll give him a new lease of life, and you know he'll be wanting to prove a point. I think he's one of those characters who, who likes to do that. I think he backs himself uh, massively, and you know it, to score on your debut as well—that that is a massive bonus, and that can only be be good for uh, Birmingham going forward. And, you know, he'll have a smile on his face. He'll go out with the next game so high in confidence. They might play a different way to, uh, I don't know, I've not seen Birmingham at all this season, but they might play a different uh, way of football to, you know, what we do at Forest. But, yeah, you just wish him all the best and hopefully, you know, it goes uh, OK for him because, you know, it's a short career and you want it to be the best you possibly can. And uh, you don't like to see people fail. And uh, But we've got to forget about that. He's no longer with us. He's no longer part of what we're doing at the club. And, uh, you know, we've got to focus on the players at the club now, uh, pure and simple, just to get into those playoff positions. You, you know, I think, again, that might have been a problem. You're so close to getting, the, you know, the into the playoff positions and then you can put pressure on, but you're still outside them now. And, you know, the games will be receding. You know, you have got difficult games coming up as well. And, uh, you know, you just want to get yourself involved. And that was a big chance to do it because of Cardiff's shocking record. Uh, But we didn't do it. And, uh, you know, it might be a regret later in the season. Who knows?
0: Do you think we'll see Taylor in a Forest shirt again?
1: No, I don't think we'll see um, Taylor in a forest shirt again. I heard an interview with him a few months ago on Five Live, actually, where he he kind of um, talks as if he'd been missold some kind of vision. He was talking about how he joined the club, but it was a life-changing move, thought he'd be challenging for automatic promotion. And he he seemed to be, um, yeah, it it seemed to feel quite, his position seemed quite contentious, i.e. that he'd been somehow missold something. Um, he's had some good moments, hasn't he? Those two late goals, I think it was at Bristol last season. There's been flashes of what he can do. And I thought when he was at Charlton, he looked unbelievable um, against us. He had a one in two goal record under, under Lee Bowyer. So I think Bowyer will be able to get the, the best out of him, knows his man, will want to make it permanent. And I'd be very, very surprised um, if we saw um, Lyle Taylor back at Forest next season.
0: Uh, second question for Temps. I'm scared to ask Gary this one because I don't think he wants to talk about <laughs> him again. Um, What's Joe Carvalho's legacy? You can answer that after, Gary, if you want. But, uh, but Temps
1: first. I'll just I'll repeat what I've said since the moment That's he arrived. That's the problem, yeah. <laughs> yeah he's, a, he's a luxury player. And if you watched his highlight reel, you'd sign him immediately. But if you watched him for for, for 90 minutes, you'd, you'd make a very different decision. I've got, still got this mental image of him doing 12 Cruyff turns in front of Roy Keane, then Yatesy coming and battering him. And that being the moment in which his kind of selection is is made up, so uh, yeah, he's not a wonder kid, is he? Um, he'll have a good career. He'll he'll have some some highlights, but um, yeah, it didn't work out. And with hindsight, it was probably never going to.
0: Mm. Do, uh, do you want to add anything on car value, Gary? Or is um, there know?
1: is no legacy, really, is there? Um, he's he's left
2: nothing there because he's never been a regular in any of the manager's plans. Um, so you, you can't really assess the impact he's had uh, it's been very little uh, yeah we've seen flashes of what he can do but that's not good enough in the championship it, it's a brutal league the championship the games you play uh, the the quality of the teams you play against uh, and you know there's some really athletic you know strong sides who you know will get on your back and will close you down quickly and make it virtually impossible for you to play uh, because you know the oppositions know who the playmakers are and he was a playmaker and uh, they saw him very quickly and uh, how to stop him. And like I say, the, the championship is fast, it's frenetic, um, it, it didn't seem to suit him. Um, and you have to have a number of games consecutively in the championship, especially to get used to it. You know, you can't just pop up here and there because it, it doesn't work like that championship. And you just wish him all the best because, you know, the flashes we did see, we enjoyed. But you know, it, it's time
0: to move on. Attempts, you and I watched it in full. I don't know what, what what went wrong, but it it all seemed to go wrong. I mean, what's your overall take on it?
1: Well, we didn't get going, but we did miss half chances, didn't we? Uh, Garner flashing the ball across the face of goal for for Brendan Johnson was the 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 one that stands out in 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 my mind. Um, there are always going to be blips, and we've we've played uh, almost above ourselves for the last three months. It's been incredible to watch, and we've we've. Um, battered some teams but also we've nicked a fair few 1-0 by keeping it tight first half and then backing our um, our, our wide boys to do the business last half an hour when the opposition are, are tired and conceding early doesn't suit that game plan of keeping it tight and then grinding them in, into submission in the in, in the final final third of the game. So I think that's what went wrong. The pattern of how we've won games in recent weeks has been Pretty similar, tight early on, scoring the second half as we, we assert our dominance. It just didn't didn't happen. And um, I was looking at the odds, actually, for Forrest to break into the, the finish in the top six, make the playoffs. And we're four to one. The bookies don't think we're going to make it. And the reason is we've got Blackburn and Bournemouth um, away in February. So, again, to turn that tide, which we already have from kind of relegation threatened to aspirant mid-table, to turn that tide to promotion contender... We've got to go to those grounds and, and, uh, and get results. And there'll be huge, huge games in the direction of, um, of, of this season. And I don't think we analyse the Cardiff game. I don't think Forrest analysed the Cardiff game. They, they write it off and look within themselves to, to go again and go harder because um, too many players made um, individual positional mistakes. You look at the, the, the second goal and he wasn't closed down quickly enough. It just just looked a bit languid. But I don't think it's symptomatic of anything being, um, you know, wrong. Bit of tiredness, bit of mental fatigue, few and forced changes to the to the side. Um, we've just got to get back on it pretty quickly. And Leicester's perhaps a little bit of a distraction because it's the Blackburn and Bournemouth games that really matter for me.
0: You've seen the first goal, Gary. Is that just a complete momentary brain fade where McKenna gives it away and Cook? Cut- Doesn't he just tracks the runner and lets the man run in on goal? What's going on? Yeah, that's the
2: worry for me. Not not the giving away the ball so much. Yeah, we all make mistakes in that respect. But it was what happened after that. Uh, Always, when I went back to play centre half, I knew what the most dangerous person you know was. It was always the man who had the ball at his feet. He's the only one who can score because he's got the ball. You know, the other guy, he can't score because he ain't got the ball at his feet. And what Cook did there, I was surprised because of his experience. You have to come towards the man who's got the ball. You have to put pressure on him. And if he does the right thing and he does get the pass right and the boy scores, that's fine. But you've got to do the right thing first. And he, he didn't, for me, do the right thing first. You have to put pressure on him. He can make a mistake. He can put it a foot behind him. And that gives somebody else a chance to get in and, and you know nullify it. But by leaving him to run there and not coming across to him, He's got nothing to do to make his mind up apart from striking. He got a bit lucky because he scuffed it as well. Um, But, you know, I was staggered to see uh, that Cook didn't come across to close it down because when you close things down like that, you put pressure on people because they've still got to produce the goods. They've still got to make that final pass. And it's got to be a good one because they know, you know, it, it could be one of the only chances they get. So, yeah, you, you learn by your mistakes and uh, we, we just hope that's the case. And the second one, I agree with temps, you know, it was a fantastic strike. Uh, there was no reaction. It reminded me of the uh, Coventry game earlier in the season um, when you, they scored two at the end and, and Samba had made a great save. And uh, for me, somebody blamed Samba for that one in there. And it wasn't, I don't think it was his fault. I thought it was the defenders didn't react and they didn't react again. But he's got to be closed down before that happens, before the shot is, you know, you've got to put pressure on that man who's lining up a shot because if you don't he can just do you know pick his spot he can take his time and that's what he did and you know he was unlucky to come off the bar but um you know the reaction after that wasn't particularly good and you know then we we score too late when davis comes on Mm
0: -hmm. Um, there's a good question here from lee watching on facebook um should we go four three three four three I feel less confident with a flat back four. I mean, they played a back four against Cardiff and I agree with Lee. I feel much more comfortable with three at the back. What about you, Gary? Does it make much difference or not?
2: I just think we've looked better with three at the back. You know, it gives us more license wide and the creativity looks a little bit better. It's uh, less predictable. I think, uh, you know, a flat back four is, you know, it can be exploited uh, a little bit more and, um, I, I think that maybe had a hand in the first goal because if we'd have had three at the back instead of four, you know, maybe that would have been a different outcome. But you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, and you know, I, I said I thought, "Crikey, why isn't Davis starting with grabbing him? But apparently he'd been poorly, so uh, so I've been told. But I might have said, I mean, S- Steve's done a brilliant job, and you know, I don't know what happened with Davis. You know how bad it was, but he was on the bench. I'm always one of those uh, half glasses half full in respect of right. Can you give me an hour? You know, saying to David, can can you start this game and give me an hour? Or if you can't, just tell me when you come off. He might get you a goal in that first, however many minutes he's on the the pitch, and that might unsettle uh, Cardiff a little bit more. But you know that that's the way it was uh, played out. You know, Steve made his mind up on what he saw with Davis, obviously during the week, and uh, he's he's not. You know, he's, he's hardly made a mistake, Steve Cooper. And you still wouldn't call that a mistake because the players made the mistakes that uh, cost us a game. And one shot on target, you will be disappointed with that. And uh, I think that's yeah, lack, maybe bad decision-making in the final third, I think, is always the case. And when you, you're not creating chances, the confidence drops. And uh, that that's appeared to be, you know, what was going on. I don't think it's tiredness. I think it's just... You realise how well you've been playing and then all of a sudden, you know, you, what you've been doing is not coming off as it has been before and that, that flattens you a little bit as well. So, it's a mixture of things. It's not just one thing. It's, uh, you know, like Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough thoroughly deserved to win that game, uh, the, the other one we lost, but maybe Cardiff didn't. Uh, to be fair, they made five changes, you know, the people he bought in. Um, so... You know, you've got to credit them a little bit as well because he was bold enough to make five changes. and it, it worked, so you, know, you can't always say, "Well, it was Forrest's fault." You've got to give the opposition credit sometimes for what they do, and uh, I think that's what people were saying. Cardiff, you know, I read some of the Cardiff uh, fans' views, and they were delighted that five changes were made and they were able to win a football match.
0: Mm, they had the worst record in the league going into the game at home. Um, Temps, do you want to come in on that formation thing? I suppose Panzo helps, doesn't he, to play three at the back.
1: I mean, three at the back gets the best out of Jed Spence and Max Lowe, doesn't it? Just absolves them of some of their defensive responsibility and lets them just press that a bit higher and get the ball further up the pitch. That's the reason for me. However, in the absence of, of Joe Worrell, uh, Figueredo out of favour to, to to some degree, sometimes it's been needs must when he's had two percent centre half. So, um, yeah, I hope Panzo allows Cooper to at least have that choice, so that when when it's tactically right to do so, he he can unleash um, Jed Spence and Max Lowe.
0: I want to touch on one other player who we haven't talked about much for a while, Zinchenegal Sink-Nagel, or Zinchenagel Gary. He was he had a rank poor game at Cardiff, and he does have this spectrum of being very good or very bad a lot of the time. Is that a bit of a worry for you? Because you need senior players to step up with a bit of consistency, don't you? I guess.
2: Yeah, you always you're always going to have a you know a, a bit of a spell where you're not at your best. You know, you can't be expected um, with forty six games in that league to be on the ball every time. You know, and the pressure of him where he's come from, you expect him to be uh, you know on the ball all the time. It doesn't always happen like that. And some formations you know support players better than others. And maybe, you know, what what was happening then didn't help him at the weekend. Uh, the fact that we went behind early on and then the expectations are for our creative players to get us back in the game. You know, all those little bit of pressure points come your way. And he um, shows enough to make you think that going towards the end of the season, he could be vital for us because of, you know, what what he does give you as a player. And it, it, Steve's going to, you know, he will move things around. He will have to rotate things and... Uh, you know, sort of rest players. Because you know me, um, um, people who say, you know, players are tired, like Thomas Tuchel did the other week. They dropped a point against Brighton, all oh, my players are tired. Then they beat Tottenham 2-0. You didn't hear him say, oh, well, my players are tired. Uh, not, not a mention of that. Um, I always think that's, you know, don't say that players are tired because... They they get looked after better than they've ever been. Um, and, you know, you beat Arsenal 1-0 in the Cup and it'd be interesting to see how the FA Cup goes this weekend. Yeah, it, you don't ever make tiredness an excuse. Uh, mentally, you can get tired, but physically, you shouldn't get tired um, because, you know, they've not been playing three games a week or anything like that. So, And Steve hasn't used that. You know, he, you know he's not used tiredness as an excuse. I think it's just pundits maybe say well they looked a little bit tired that's always a very good excuse for other things um just inefficiency and not defending switching off you know like we did for the first goal it can come in in any part of the game you know your brain can tire you, you switch off for a moment and that's why I've always said concentration is the most important word in football for me because at any stage of any game at any time of the season you lose your concentration you're going to get punished and, uh, you know, that for me is is what we, we did. It, it, it's not happened over a number of games. I mean, the Derby game was a case in point. You know, we thoroughly deserved to win that. The plan worked in the first half, as as you know, in a lot of games under Steve so far. Let's, you know, I think we pick the bones a little bit too much when we get beat. It's easy to do that when we were, we had one point when Steve came in and where we are now. Um, it's very easy to criticise, and these these aren't criticisms. These are just thoughts, you know, looking at the game and looking, you know, how we conceded the goals. It's, it's you know, it's a little, it, Hopefully, it's constructive criticism. You know, if you can't accept cri- uh, con- constructive criticism as a player, you shouldn't be playing football, because you know it's it's only there to help and make you think. Well, yeah, what could I have done there? Could I have done something better? But never use tiredness as a uh, an excuse. Maybe later in the season when things are getting really pressurised and you are in contention um but then you know nobody mentions tiredness in playoffs and things like that with teams that go up you know it's a very good word to use when things aren't going your way and that's why you know the Premier League managers get on my nerves when they come out with tiredness it's it's a crazy word to use it's just an excuse um so yeah I, I think uh, we've still got a lot to look forward to and uh I think sometimes going to places like Blackburn and Bournemouth maybe suit us a little bit better because you've got nothing to lose really there against teams like that because you're probably not expected to get anything out of it. And you can just throw caution to the wind a little bit. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to those games. Um, you, more so than probably Leicester on Sunday.
0: Mm. You went to training before the Derby game, didn't you, Gary? Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Are you, um, without giving away any confidences and trade secrets, what did you make of it? What, what did you see?
2: It was on the pitch at the city ground and Steve took the whole thing, you know, there, there were video in it. But overall, we, we, you know, everything, instructions all over the pitch and it was spec because it was so impressive the way the work rate that went into it and the enjoyment was there as well. You know, they're having a laugh. You want from a training session exactly what you want, you know, build up to a game. You had the whole thing there in front of you and it was just so impressive to watch.
0: How are you feeling about the promotion um picture then, temps? Gary mentions um the games against Bournemouth and Blackburn. Are you feeling confident going into the rest of the season now?
1: look, it's a it's a big ask. Okay. And I think we got um a little bit overconfident perhaps with that that run of results. But yeah, you know, we've just we've just proved with one or two games recently. Uh, I'm thinking Middlesbrough, I'm thinking Cardiff, that... Um, There's a long way to go, and you know those those teams at the top have been more consistent than us um, in in recent in recent weeks. So yeah, being four to one shots in the book is ice. The playoffs frames that. Now look, we've got to get we've got to win at either Bournemouth or Blackburn to uh, maintain uh, uh, close contact with the with the pack, and that's that's a that's a huge ask. So I think we'll have clarity at the end of. February. Um, Stoke at home uh, in, in, in between times is you know, equally important, um, but if we lose at Blackburn and Bournemouth, that that gap will extend and we'll, we'll start to drift even more. So uh, I'm very optimistic, a lot of faith in the players and, and the manager. The the ground we have to, to make up puts us at a slight disadvantage. Um, and, I, yeah, just don't underestimate the size of the task required to get into the top six from this point.
2: I'm still confident, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, you know, with the signings we've made as well, you, you can't just pick the bones out of one game. Um, it's it, it was a game that, yeah, we didn't produce our best in any sort of areas. Um, we were maybe a little bit lax. And you have to expect that. And Steve said exactly that. That's why, you know, a lot of people like Steve because he comes out and he doesn't hide behind anything. If it's bad and it's not acceptable, he'll tell you it's bad and not acceptable. And that's refreshing um, in football especially because we're so used to listening to the dross that, you know, you hear in the Premier League from managers defending this, defending that. Just come out and be, you know, honest. That's what punters want. That's what the fans want to hear. If they see their team play badly... And it's not acceptable. They want to hear that. And they very rarely get that. And uh, when they do, I think that, you know, they're pleased about it a little bit as well. So that's, you know, the br- brutality of honesty sometimes can hurt, you know, players or whatever. But then, you know, you, you respond to it and say, right, OK, I'll show him. And, you know, the, you've got another game, the next game to put things right. And uh, to be fair, Forrest have done that on most occasions when things haven't gone particularly
1: well. Well, I was just going to come in on... Um... Uh, Steve Cooper's media management, because I think there's, there's some really impressive subtleties at play. So, pre derby, he knew Joe Warrell was out for five or six weeks, but he kept his counsel in the media, um, had them plan for all to be in the side, uh, and maintained that message throughout, knowing full well what had gone off. After the Barnsley game, he claimed he had no knowledge of the bids for for Brennan Johnson, where well, there'd obviously been intense debate within the grounds of the Forest about what to do with this eighteen million pound pile of cash that had been uh, waved under their noses, and he denied all knowledge of it. So I think the 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 council he maintains is a bit of a weapon actually, and there's a bit of always a bit of an information war at play with um, Premier League and, and Championship managers. Uh, but yeah, I've just been really impressed by his ability to navigate the media, the relationship with the fans, the relationship with the the players. I mean, how good is it to hear that he's inviting Gary and some of the, you know, the legends from the from that period being being invited into training. I think he's done a, a quite masterful job in getting himself ingrained in the club in, in that regard. But yeah, don't underestimate his abilities as a politician, a kind of a, a media manager. It's great to see. Um, and yeah, re- really quite impressive from from my position. Yes,
0: you're a savvy man. <laughs> I noticed that as well. Uh, let's finish with about the FA Cup briefly for the last five minutes or so. How are you viewing it, Gary? I felt I felt like Forest had a great chance and could knock Leicester out. I'm probably a little bit more reticent now with a couple of injuries to key players. Are you, how are you feeling about the game?
2: It's one where you've got nothing to lose again. Really, you know, it's, if you get through to the next round, it's great. If not, then you you you, you concentrate on trying to get into the playoffs. It's one of those uh, weekends that you say, right, OK, it'd be great if we win, but if we lose, and we go out, you know, we've still got a lot to look forward to. Like you say, I, I'm disappointed about the injury problems uh, because the way we went about the game against Arsenal, people gave Arsenal all the the sticks and they were rubbish, this, and but you have to make a team look like that and Forest made Arsenal look mediocre in that particular game and by not changing things, but by doing the first half performance very well indeed. And then going for, you know, the jugular in the second half. It, it, it just it all worked. It all came together. And uh, Leicester won't be looking forward to coming here on uh, on Sunday, believe me. Uh, big East Midlands derby. Won. I can't remember the last time uh, we played Leicester in a game. Uh, I don't know if you've got the stats on that one. Um, but yeah, it seems a very really- long time ago. Uh, we yeah, saw the you know, the atmosphere for the derby game. It was just absolutely inspirational, and it'll be the same on Sunday. You know, because Leicester's just what twenty twenty six miles down the M one. Uh, they'll be there in force, and they'll want the bragging rights. Uh, so will we. And I'm I'm at the game on Sunday. I'm really looking forward to it. But I won't be massively disappointed if if we don't get through. I'll be delighted if we start winning league games again and get ourselves in contention. Because I I think other teams around us in the league will have blips. You know, it won't just be us losing one game. You know, you've seen other teams slipping up against teams they shouldn't have slipped up against, you know, at the top. So, you know, don't lose faith at the moment. Just keep the faith because whatever happens, it's just been inspirational from one point in the, in the table thinking we're going to get relegated to all of a sudden having the aspiration to get in the playoffs. You know, that was just never anywhere in sight when Steve Cooper turned up. And you've got mm. to give them unbelievable credit. The whole team he's it, got working for him. It's not just a one-man job, as he'll tell you. It's it's a collective thing, and um, collectively they've been brilliant for the club. And I, I still feel there's a chance we can get in the playoffs.
0: It feels to me like a great chance to get Sorridge a debut. He's not cup tied. Panzo a debut. Or would you just kind of go full strength and give these lads who messed up at Cardiff a chance to bounce back if subject to fitness of a few
1: players? I think he'll pick a full strength team, but those players may well find themselves in a full strength team. Um, wouldn't it be great to win? We'd be talking for years about that time. We'd be Arsenal, Derby, Leicester in successive weeks at the at the city ground. However, the reality is we're not going to win the FA Cup. We might win promotion. So, if we do find ourselves knocked out in the fourth round, um, I don't think we'll cry too many tears, and we'll immediately in the chat will start about concentrating on the league and getting into this this run of matches. But yeah, I mean, um, we've got a chance, haven't we? We we sh- we saw um, how badly um, Arsenal played when they found that we could play ball, that we had players that could um, hurt them. That we had a striker that could um poach when the when the moment was right. So um yeah, our, my prediction is we'll make a good good account of ourselves. Um but yeah, I'd, of course I want to win. I just I don't want this game in no way defines the season. It's the in the performance in the league that will. Who he plays up front? I think he's got to play Davies up front. You know, if he, he's fitting well because he's scoring
2: goals and confidence breeds confidence and you want your strikers very confident and uh, he'll he'll be desperate to get out against Leicester City and to to prove a point. But the interesting thing, well, sorry, you know, will he come in as well? Um, will we, you know, see that? And that's that will be the interesting thing. I'm, that's the one thing I can't wait to see the the team sheet coming through on Sunday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, what system he will play? Will he play three back? I think he possibly will now. Um, and why not? There's no reason not to.
0: Does this feel Gary like? a chance to have a right good go until the summer and then you've got a few players out of contract. If you don't go up, you probably have to sell Johnson and Worrell, but the next few months you would hope are going to be exciting and Forrest just give it 100% and we'll see where it takes us? Uh,
2: Well, the the problem for me isn't isn't the manager, isn't the backroom staff or anything like that. It's about the players. If the players don't realise what a chance they've got and they don't give everything they possibly can in every game, then you know you shouldn't you don't deserve to be playing football you know you're in contention you know no matter who plays out there you've just got to go and give it every ounce you can possibly give you're going to be absolutely shattered at the end end of the season but who cares if you're in the playoffs you've got a, a break if you do get in the playoffs and you have to be aspirational you know it's not like saying well well we might get in the playoffs it's got to be uh, yeah we're going to get in the playoffs I mean, you, you. I can just go down to Division Two and look at Mansfield. You know the, what Nigel's doing there. Eight wins on the trot. Club, you know, club record, and they're in the playoffs. Nobody thought they were third bottom at one point in this season, and now they're in the playoffs. So you know, aspiration is good, and they want to get. You know, I spoke to Nigel. They want to be automatic. They don't want to get in the playoffs. So uh, yeah. You'd be aspirational and give it everything you possibly can.
1: Let's give the new signings a, a chance. Keep behind the boys. What will be will be on Sunday and then a massive February to, uh, to progress.
0: Yep, yeah, absolutely. It seems like a good note to end on. Uh, thanks very much, sir, to everyone who has watched along on Facebook and YouTube Drop comments in. And if you enjoyed this, do subscribe on YouTube, iTunes, wherever. Give us a good rating, as I always say, and probably people don't want to hear it. But uh, thanks very much for listening as ever. Gary, thank you very much for joining me. Pleasure. Thank you, Matt. And Temp, thank you as ever. Cheers, Matt. And we'll see Cheers, everyone next week. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.